The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Scots. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Bores and Lucy Dunn. So Katie, another week, another by-election. Um, yesterday another one was put on the cards because Margaret Ferrier, uh, the SNP MP, is no longer an MP. Tell us about it. Yes, this is the by-election of Rutherglen, Hamilton West. And it's been on the cards for some time. It goes back to Margaret Ferrier and her COVID breach during um, the pandemic quite well documented at the time, but travelled while having COVID. The repercussions of which involved her being kicked out by the SNP. So since then, she's been standing as an independent. And then the Standards Committee were looking into this and they came up with a long enough a suspension that it meant there was a recall petition. We're growing quite used to those on these podcasts. And ultimately, over 10% of her constituents signed it, and now there will be a by-election. And it's a really important by-election, because I would argue, as I have previously argued in The Spectator, that probably of all the recent by-elections, I think it's the most important in terms of trying to work out what's going to happen in the next general election, um, because this is a seat that is historically Labour, but the SNP has recently had gains in. So Margaret Ferrier won it in 2015 for the SNP. Was that the first SNP victory there? Yeah, and that was seen as a big blow to Scottish Labour. Then in 2017, Scottish Labour clawed it back. Then in 2019, she won it back. And, and therefore, I think it's a bit of a bellwether seat in terms of how strong the SNP are looking. Um, and of course, that really matters because if you think about the next general election... Um, the polls right now would suggest Keir Starmer would have been a majority outright. But if you go to the May local elections, the national poll lead reflected from that would technically fall short of a majority, or at least that was, for example, Professor John Curtis's view. It was not enough to guarantee it. Keir Starmer's team were not so worried about that, not just because they are perhaps not the biggest fans of Professor John Curtis there is, um, but also because they think that if you have a, a recovery in Scotland, so about 20 seats, you would still have a majority in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there's a particular significance to a Scottish Labour recovery. And I think that means that if you look at recent polling, which, for, so for example, there was a panel based poll recently that suggested that Scottish Labour are on course to win 26 seats and be the largest party in Scotland at the next election. If that is the case, you would expect them to win this by-election, particularly given the circumstances. The majority is about 5,000. And therefore, I think that the pressure is probably more on Scottish Labour to prove they had the momentum. Mm. Whereas if the SNP managed to hold it, I think that would be a pleasant surprise for some SNP supporters. Mm. And Lucy, this is a story that you've been following today as well. And you're in Scotland. Tell us about what you've been getting up to. Yes, so this morning I went to both the Labour and the SNP by-election campaign launches. Um, They were held within half an hour of each other, so it was quite a hectic morning. But um, at 10 o'clock, Michael Shanks, who is the Labour candidate for um, Rutherglen and um, Hamilton West, appeared. He was um, talking to press and a number of supporters that turned out for him, despite the pouring rain, um, about how he wants to bring a fresh start to the area. He says for so long there's not really been adequate representation. Um, As Katie said, 
uh, Margaret Ferrier was standing as an independent candidate um, while the sort of investigation to her was, was ongoing. And he's keen to push for change in the area. He's, he's very much campaigning um, as a, a Scottish Labour candidate and as a result made some interesting comments about um, Keir Starmer's stance um, on issues such as the two-child benefit cap, the bedroom tax and, and the sort of demedicalisation um, of the gender self-ID process. Um, which which is an interesting take for a candidate that many assume has been sort of pushed by the Labour establishment into the selection process due to the fact he, he tends to be more in the sort of centre ground than, than what other um, potential candidates for the Labour Party were. And what about the SNP candidate, Lucy? Um, the SNP candidate, um, Katie Loudon, so she um, was, her campaign launch was uh, half an hour later, so um, she appeared with Hamza Yusuf today. Um, we, we didn't hear so much from Katie, it was more Hamza who was front and centre, and in fact, there was an interesting dynamic going on, um, Hamza cut her off um, when she tried to answer a question uh, to the press about when she'd last spoken to Margaret Ferrier, she said it was 2020, um, after Ferrier had admitted that she had breached the COVID rules and it seemed as though Loudon was definitely a lot less confident than the Labour candidates seemed. Um, but, but despite that, they both um, both candidates talked about the cost living um, crisis and they were obviously gone round um, a number of um, doors in the, in the past, kind of not even just in the past couple of hours, but in the past couple of months, um, given that this has been such a highly anticipated um, by-election. I think it will be really interesting, the point that Lucy was making about the Scottish Labour candidate, um, how much Keir Starmer is or isn't called upon in this by-election. Um, because Keir Starmer, I don't think, has a great track record when it comes to relations with Labour politicians who are senior but are not directly under his command now of course if you're the leader of the Labour Party you're technically in charge of all but if you look for example at outside the shadow cabinet mm-hmm. so Sadiq Khan uh, the London mayor in fact the leader's office declared war on him after the Uxbridge result and actively went out of their way to suggest that it was Sadiq Khan's fault and he had an unpopular policy and lots of briefing against him and also suggestions that he should change tack so at the moment at least not that much love there Mm. then you have Andy Burnham who I think is almost persona non grata in the leader's office Um, you often have people around Kirsten making jokes Andy Burnham who is of course the greater Manchester Metro Mayor and there's not a particularly good relationship there I think at one point Andy Burnham said he just wanted to be left alone um, by, by the Labour leader's office. And then you have Jamie Driscoll, who is not allowed to stand. So he's seen as the last standing Corbynite, but he, he's not allowed to stand as the Labour candidate for mayor in the North East because he has been blocked by the leader's office. So there are all these things going on. And what you would hear a few weeks ago would be, but Anna Sawa, Keir Starmer gets on well with him. And some shadow cabinet members would even say that they would often almost go through Anasawa to try and get Keir Starmer to listen on something. Not the same level of influence as Rachel Reeves has on Keir Starmer, but pretty influential. But yet we're now seeing quite a few policy differences, which um, Lucy outlined. I think the oil and gas licences was one that made uh, Scottish Labour quite nervous, obviously because of the the industry there. Mm. And there was some tinkering, some messaging around that. But I think particularly in terms of this by-election, that two-child benefit policy, that's one that the SNP have been trying to weaponise and one that Scottish Labour are unhappy with Keir Starmer for. The SNP have been uh, handing out mugs, uh, which ultimately say, you know, limits on family sizes. What does the Labour government stand for? So they're really going all in on that policy. And 
Therefore, Keir Starmer has been to Scotland, I think, seven times already this year. It will be really telling. I think perhaps we can tell a bit already from what Lucy's reporting from that launch, whether Keir Starmer is invited on the campaign trail, and if mm. so, how many times. This isn't you know, unique to a party that sometimes the Scottish wing of the party can have issues with the Westminster wing. If you think back to the Scottish Conservatives, they had a ban Boris Johnson from going up policy, which they try and talk about, but he never really appeared when they had some of these campaigns. Instead, they liked Rishi Sunak when he was Chancellor released. Mm. So you often do have these tensions. But I think this is the timing of this by-election and the timing of policies that have ruffled Fairness and Scottish Labour is particularly interesting. And Lucy, what about the health of the SNP at the moment? Things seem to have calmed down a little bit with the people around Nicola Surgeon and herself getting arrested, but is it still dire straits for Hamza Yusuf at the moment? Well, I think this is something that both Hamza and the SNP um, candidate for the constituency today were, were asked about. Um, Katie was asked actually when, when she was on the doorsteps, Katie Loudon, whether the police investigation hanging over the SNP um, had been brought up by voters. She admitted herself, you know, it's not an ideal situation. It, it, it will and it is overhanging. And as a result, you know, it's something that the SNP unfortunately are getting brought back to talk about again and again and again. Um, I think interestingly, she did try and push the point that um, it's certainly more day-to-day issues that voters themselves are concerned about but obviously like there, there, there will be more developments here and each time there are um, I think it'll be very difficult for voters to to completely move move past the fact that the SNP has been in turmoil for the past couple of months. Mm. And Katie just finally on this topic of outgoing MPs emphasis on the outgoing not really sure when uh, Nadine Doris is still an MP but even though she said that she's going to step down Rishi Sunak today had this to say on LBC. In your view of Nadine? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think people deserve to have uh, an MP that represents them wherever they are. And, you know, it's just making sure that your MP is engaging with you, representing you, whether that's speaking in Parliament or being present in their constituencies, doing surgeries, answering your letters. Uh, that's a job of an MP, and all MPs should be held to that standard. Look, I, look, so she's I, failing in that, isn't she? Well, at the moment, people aren't being properly represented, right? But that's, you know, look, we'll, we'll have that... Katie, this is um, the first time that Rishi Sunak has publicly said what he thinks about this um, Doris uh, approach. Yeah, this is perhaps part of the new fighty Rishi that we've been promised going into the autumn, where he's going to be a truth slayer. He says what he thinks, and it's not, you know, to keep his powder dry. (laughs) I think it reflects the feeling in number 10 and beyond. Ultimately, Nadine Doris quit on a Friday afternoon and has since not matched up her Twitter rhetoric with actions. Um, you've had Nigel Adams and Boris Johnson um, that same weekend, both said they were going to go. Their by-elections have come and gone. Nadine Doris's reasons for delaying it changed depending on the day and week. There was a subject access request to do the peerage. There was uh, allies of Nadine Doris and he wanted to inflict maximum pain on Rishi Sunak so he could not choose when the by-election as she would. So therefore you could have a mid-Bedfordshire by-election ultimately near to the autumn. Um, so I don't think the comments are particularly surprising. Also, if Rishi Sunak had wanted to befriend Nadine Doris, he could have gone out of his way to explain the system, which Boris Johnson did not do when it comes to the fact you are not supposed to be a sitting MP if you're going for a peerage. He didn't do that. And and therefore, I think it just does reflect this big frustration, which is, is there anything that looks a bit more self-serving than perhaps quitting the House of Commons over a tantrum about a peerage, which is what has happened in a few cases and is something which I think whether... 
you know, lots of people just look at that and punish the Tory party as a result without thinking, oh, but that, that person isn't particularly on the side of this person and that person. And therefore, it's a bad look for the Conservative Party. Katie and Lucy, thank you very much. And thank you very much for listening. Do join us again tomorrow. Bye.